past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant as we're always here to provide you with information that you need resources and tools to take control of your own career and move yourself forward. Today we're going to talk about um, trends in the economy, in the workplace, in the world, and how those are impacting your work, how they're impacting work around the globe, and how it's making a difference in how we work, where we work, and how we think about work. So these six trends are ones that uh, were identified by the career thought leaders board and individuals participating at really the top of the career services industry. So career coaches and resume writers and all different types of settings that work with people who are trying to manage their careers. And they get together and talk about what is it that we need to be thinking about in terms of our careers and in the workplace, what's changing and what do people need to be aware of as we move into here in in 2019. And of course, we're just, you know, in the third month of this year and all of these trends are not finite. They didn't just start and they probably won't end anytime soon. But how are they impacting your career? We're going to explore that today. So we're going to talk first about generations in the workplace. And this is an interesting topic because I think there are pros and cons to even talking about generations, to naming them, to, to thinking about it this way. Um, you know, some people will say, oh, it's you can just encourage discrimination because you're labeling the de- the the generations. But I think when we look at it, there are obviously similarities of people across the generations. And yet there are different values and expectations that each generation has and different skill sets that they bring to the workplace based on their perception. And and where where they were raised may play into this a little bit, but definitely when they were raised. And the reason that this conversation is coming up, because, of course, in most definitions of these generations, you have the youngest generation, Generation Z, starting to enter the workforce. And some people call this iGen. Um, I don't like to give Apple that much credit. So I like Generation Z because, of course, before that, we had the the millennials who were Generation Y and Generation Z just starting to enter the workforce. And, of course, our baby boomers not exiting really anytime soon. And, in fact, some maturists or traditionalists, depending on what you want to call them, are still in the workforce as well. And those folks... Um, Interacting across those possible five generations in the workplace has become a a conversation point. And of course, the talk about millennials um, probably started 10, 15 years ago when millennials started to enter the workplace. And a lot of people are still writing and talking about millennials 
And in fact, a lot of times people are writing and talking about millennials when what they really mean is Gen Z, um, because it is Gen Z that is now in entering the workplace. They are those young 20s. Your millennials, according to most definitions, are 26, 27 to 36, 37. And so those folks that are 25, 24, just graduating college fit into this new category of Generation Z. And what we're seeing with these generations in the workplace, I I think in some ways more diversity makes this conversation a little less relevant when there are only three generations that we were really talking about in the workplace. Um, There was a little bit more that people were talking about in terms of clashes with four generations in the workplace. You're really seeing a spectrum and a lot of difference across the generations and also within the generations and a lot of similarities. And some of the things that people point to in terms of differences really are pretty similar across all the generations. I always kind of giggle when someone talks about, oh, those millennials, you know, they they want meaning in their work and they want to make sure that they're doing something that adds to the company that I've talked to many boomers who feel the same way or generation X um, tends to be those independent types. And they're, they're always kind of going after what they, they need. Yep. That applies to a lot of people, but let's talk about some of the specifics that in, in terms of aspirations, I always find this interesting. So baby boomers really from their beginning of their career aspired for job security And now as they're starting to look towards retirement, that's shifting. It may not look the same. Our Generation X, that work-life balance, so they were kind of the work-life balance flag carriers, if you will, when they moved into the workforce is when that discussion really started. It hasn't really stopped, although it's shifted and changed and how we talk about it has shifted. Most people today will talk about work-life integration instead of work-life balance. And then you have your Generation Y or Millennials who really were that freedom and flexibility generation, lots of entrepreneurs, um, kind of demanding flexibility in the workplace. And a lot of workplace shifts did come about because people were trying to recruit and retain Millennials. Now you're starting to see that Generation Z move into the workplace and, and kind of an interesting trend here that they are looking for that stability when they're picking college college majors when they're picking careers it has a lot less to do with interests and passions in some research that I've read than where am I going to be stable in my work where am I going to be able to have a a stable income they've seen the volatility and are really a little bit more cautious about choosing careers that have that long-term stability versus simply going after something that they're, they're really interested in, which millennials tended to be a little bit more driven by the interests or passions. So when you're thinking about these generations, some myths that you may have in your head that millennials are young. And remember, in fact, they indeed are not. They're 36, 37 And 20% of them, 20% of that large group are in leadership roles. 
right? They're they're not your entry level careerists anymore, and a lot of what you read will de- define and divide the millennial generation into two different groups: the younger millennials and the older millennials. They are really are quite different. Those that are under 30, 31, and those are are over 30, 31 are in very different places in their careers. And a lot of generalizations. So when I read about oh millennials are, are struggling, they are still living at home, et cetera, a lot of that's applying to the younger millennials, not necessarily that over 31 group who is moving up into leadership and, and landing somewhat in their career in to the roles that they wanted to be in or aspired to be in when they graduated college. It took a long time to get there, and I think they have some battle scars from that, uh, but they're not as young as some news outlets that you read might kind of portray them as. Age discrimination, still alive and well. This is some data from Australia that seven in 10 Australian companies are not even looking at candidates who are under 50 or more than 50, age 50 plus even though, of course, age discrimination is legal in Australia, as it is in the U.S., um, there are some untalked about, unwritten things that are going on to harm Generation X and baby boomers, those over 50. And I've even read in some things that women over 40 are um, experiencing that age discrimination. So that's somewhat disheartening, although when you look at the talent shortage, especially in some industries, that age discrimination has been cast aside because they just need talent. Um, And hopefully that will continue as we see, of course, the baby boomers are sticking around and they're working and they're offering their wisdom to the workplace. The way that job hoppers used to be portrayed was based on those baby boomer values, right? That job stability kind of value. And now that's beginning to shift because you have 75% of millennials who think that job hopping is a good thing. It's become kind of the way to advance is to hop internally or hop between companies because there aren't very many opportunities to advance inside companies at times. And because millennials are job hopping and they're moving up into these leadership roles, you're seeing that stigma against job hopping start to go away, which is good for for all generations. So the next topic in our trends was the gig economy. The gig economy is an interesting topic because you'll see a lot of conflicting data about it, that the gig economy is huge or that the gig economy isn't grown to what it was projected to be. And the reason that you see so many conflicting information about this is because there are a lot of different ways that people define it. So the gig economy could mean people who are working on the side, the old side hustle to their nine to five gig. It could also be people who are contracting, but they're contract employees, or it could be people who are contracting and doing odd jobs like Uber. And so there's just so many definitions that that muddies the water when people are talking about, is this growing? Is it not growing? Um, So some of the data that I found from 
the McKinsey Global Institute, they did some research on this topic and found that 43% of people in the U.S. were indeed traditional workers. And then you have 13% who are primary independent and 14% who are supplemental independent workers. So they might be supplementing a full-time job or they've got, they're not the income earner in the house and they just do some supplemental independent work. And that is smaller. If you look at the primary independent earners as 13%, that is smaller than the number that the Bureau of Labor had predicted years ago that by 2020 we'd be to 20 or or maybe even 30 percent and that hasn't happened probably somewhat because the economy improved and and full-time jobs are more available than they were when those predictions were made and so people don't have the requirement to go out and be independent in the way that perhaps it was forecasted to to be um so it's a little bit messy in terms of is that gig economy really growing the people who are doing it full time but what we do know is that it is growing in terms of the people who want to do some type of freelance work whether that's on top of their regular job whether it's full time whether it's part time there are more and more people who want to do something to create a portfolio of income for themselves and when people go into that space, they open that door for themselves to look like a job hopper, to look unfocused. They can create some challenges for themselves in moving forward in their career when they do that. And we'll talk a little bit about what employers are thinking about that when we come back in just a few minutes. So we'll be right back and continue talking about the gig economy in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America. America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about some of the trends that you need to be aware of as you're thinking about your career moves. So we talked about how the generations in the workplace making it more diverse and perhaps in some ways diluting the generation's conversation because there are five generations in the workplace or at least four and a lot more variety, a lot more conversation going on about other types of differences, if you will, and not as much focus on on generations. Um, Now, so when we apply that to this gig economy, the interesting shift that's going on there is the Working a gig or having a side hustle is almost becoming trendy cool. And so instead of it being a negative to have what looks like job hopping on your resume or um, some things that don't really fit together, as long as we can tell the story well and weave the pieces together and make it a cohesive story that's future focused, it's really really becoming less of a black mark on your resume to have a gig, to have a side hustle, to do be doing something different. And so when we think about that change, it's nice, but we're not quite there yet. Um, the vast majority of Australian employers overlook candidates who change jobs frequently. Only 16% of U.S. companies say that they'd be likely to offer a job hopper a job. So the change is coming and people are talking about it, but it's not quite there in terms of hiring. If you want that to get that traditional job after being a gig worker, you're still going to face some challenges in painting a picture for the employer that is more consistent and as a stable employee. Next trend is education. Education really shifting towards the opportunity for individuals to manage it themselves and looking at education in a little bit different light that it is lifelong. It's not a degree is needed for a lot of positions and you'll see that a lot. You'll hear that a lot. You know, you don't need a degree anymore. Always kind of makes me cringe a little bit because that's not exactly what the data shows. There's some anecdotal stuff that says, you know, you can get hired now without a degree, but most employers are still looking for certificates or degrees and training is still valued and not necessarily offered by employers. So there's still an opportunity for individuals to grow and advance by getting external education. It just may not look like that traditional degree that we're used to. Apprenticeships have really taken a new life around the world. So US, UK and Australia People are talking about apprenticeships. How do we get individuals trained in some of the skilled labor, skilled trades that we're lacking? Plumbing, some kind of mechanics, um, 
mill operators and one of the companies here locally, they are giving pretty nice raises annually to their CNC operators because they can't find people to do it. So I think that where the rest of the company got a 2 or 3% raise, the engineers got a 2 or 3% raise this year, the, the CNC operators got 6% or something like that. And they've been told that that will be consistent for them for the next few years as they try to get a new group of people hired and trained. And they're partnering with educational opportunities schools, trade schools, community colleges to try and get more people trained in those trades and apprenticeships are a part of that and you're seeing legislation around apprenticeships and conversations around them around around the world because of that. It isn't just a US issue where there are, are a lack of some of those skills. And of course we're all taking our classes online and getting training, getting additional skills really at our demand by through all of the online training options and a lot of them being free or very low cost. So 31% of students have taken at least one online course and that's going to be referring to your college age or above. Right now you are seeing a lot of talk about how degrees are not as important as skills be careful with that. That may be a function of a long-term trend. It may be a function of our current talent pool where it's hard to find talent. So, of course, we're going to not be as focused on degrees in certain sectors or in different economy. Will that shift and employers will go back to requiring degrees because they can? That's one trend to keep an eye on because it will shift back and forth as the economy shifts And even as we look at, you know, long-term kind of predictions right now, people are saying degrees aren't going to be as relevant. I think it's too easy to make those predictions with the current mindset clouding the actual prediction. Skills will always be important. Experience will always be important. And if you're going to an education opportunity, thinking that that education opportunity is going to advance your career, I would argue that you need to partner the two. How can you use that educational opportunity to get some experience, some some hands-on work, and or to build a network in the direction that you want to go. Education by itself will probably not magically give you a, a leg up in the direction that you want. It's going to need something else to go with it, a network and or some hands-on skills and experience. And being able to communicate the hands-on skills that you gained during your education will put you further ahead than your fellow students. There are still plenty of data and studies out there that show those with degrees have more earning power. And when that changes, that will be a sign that things are changing. But right now, the earning power and the salary of people with some kind of training or degree still outpaces those who simply have a high school education. If you're thinking about what skills are really important, what do I need to learn, there's 
quite a few studies out there. I pulled one from a national economic group of the skills that are most important foundational literacy, but it's changing. It doesn't look like it used to, right? We're talking not only literacy, but technology literacy being a huge differentiator for people in all areas of work. What can you actually do with technology? Technology, not just, you know, that I can play around on my smartphone, but what can you do with technology? What's your financial literacy, cultural literacy, cultural and civic literacy? Very interesting. And, and then, of course, our scientific and information communication competencies like critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and then character qualities curiosity, initiative, persistence, and grit. You read a lot these days about grit, adaptability, leadership, and social and cultural awareness. So social and cultural awareness showing up there twice, both as a literacy and as a character quality. Next topic here is artificial intelligence. And I think artificial intelligence is confusing to a lot of people because it refers to a really wide net of topics it isn't just um robotics it isn't it isn't just um you know technology in the workplace there's a lot of different aspects to to artificial intelligence and so as we think about those areas just going to run through some of them obviously we have the computing and robotics You've got gaming and how gaming is being used in the workplace and in hiring is very interesting. Um, Real-time analytics. You've got machine learning where programming machines to learn how someone responds and change how they work based on how you respond. Very interesting area of artificial intelligence. Pattern recognition, natural language processing, chatbots, so many different ways that AI, artificial intelligence, is showing up in the world. And it's really about computer systems that interact through the world and have intelligent behaviors that we would think of as essentially human. So when you see something that's a technology, but it interacts with you like you would expect a human to, that is some form of AI. Recruiting has had a huge influx of technology and automation. That doesn't mean that people are getting laid off. And I think the scary data that you see around how many jobs will be lost because of automation can be really scary, just that. And it's really varied depending on the source. So there are some sources that say 14, one, four, 14% of jobs will be automated over the next 20 years. And then you have data that says 50% of jobs are going to be automated over the next 20 years. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? And there are research, pretty good research, that shows artificial intelligence will create jobs perhaps more than it displaces. So it's not about the technology taking jobs. 
It's about how will people be doing jobs differently because they're using the technology and how can you stay relevant in your workplace? It's embracing that technology and really learning how to use it so that you aren't getting replaced by it, but you're showing how the human adds value in managing that technology, which I don't see going anywhere that quickly. The technology is not, not that smart that quickly. It, they're going to need humans to interact with the technology. They're going to need humans to do the other pieces of the jobs. And they will be recruiting the humans who have that technology literacy. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue talking about technology in the workplace and a few other trends that you need to be aware of as you move forward into your career in 2019. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you tapped your full potential as a leader? Sometimes you have to go a little deeper and connect with your inner force. Join host Angela King as she invites you to discover something that already lies within you and helps you become a better leader. Your most important connection is the one you have with yourself. It's time to connect, ignite, and rise. It's time for Inner Force. Tune in live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about trends that are infiltrating the career world, your career world, your workplace, and what they mean for you. So we were just talking about artificial intelligence and how that is replacing jobs, but also creating jobs, and particularly how it's working its way into the hiring process. 
artificial intelligence is showing up in a lot of different ways in the hiring process. So you're seeing technology that can go out and crawl the internet and find candidates who might have a profile out on the web that matches what the company is looking for. Now, this is interesting because it's almost the opposite of what you get out of an applicant tracking system where they're looking for very specific keywords and specific experiences. Some people are doing that with their crawl of the web, but others are looking for more interest-based. What are our people in my community? And community not meaning your local community, but community meaning your sphere. Are you interested in the outdoors? Are you interested in um, and and really available to this community where we all have this similar interest? And it's interesting, especially as talent is hard to find, that we're seeing people perhaps open the door to hiring individuals who don't necessarily have qualifications, but who fit into their culture and share the same interests and passions as others in their organization. You're not going to see it stretch too far away from people who are also qualified, but they may be finding them in different ways, going out and and having these technologies search the web to find people in their industry in their interest area instead of waiting for people to apply to them. Then, of course, you have machine learning and artificial intelligence improving the way that applicant tracking systems score and review and store resumes so that it's better, right? Employers don't want to have the wrong employees. They want the best people. They want the most qualified people. And so they're trying to use these technologies to make the applicant tracking systems better, to make sure that they get the right candidates, even though that candidate may may not have dotted every I, crossed every T inside of the system, or may have a resume that doesn't score well in their system for some reason, but yet still has everything that they need. So they're trying to use these technologies to improve their ability to get the best candidate from their their screening technology. They're also starting to use similar kind of scoring technology for interviewing. So you might do an interview today where you're recorded or you're recording an interview and submitting it. And it's very possible that then that interview is being transcribed and scored similarly to what a resume would be scored like in this applicant tracking system. So they're looking for keywords in your answers. They're looking for certain types of answers. And they're also judging your personality traits, um, which is interesting and a little bit scary, perhaps, that they've set up these systems to not only look for your words, but to grade your responses for personality traits and delivery. Very interesting. We'll see where it goes. And people are using social media not only to score and attract employees, but also to um, engage and in some ways maybe monitor current employees 
there's a lot of legality around that. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but that's they're testing it out, trying it, trying to eliminate bias. One of hiring managers' big goals right now is to use this technology to eliminate bias. Of course, they're finding that the technology has some bias be- built into it. So what do you do with that? They don't know, but they're they're working on it. Moving into the next topic here, very related in terms of social branding and screening. On the technology side, we have these trends of how it's increasing. And then we got to think about, so what does that mean for us as an individual if we are looking for a job, if we're in a job and we want to advance? How can we use social meeting social media to do that. 70% of recruiters are using social media to screen. So that doesn't mean necessarily that they're sourcing you and using those sourcing technologies that we talked about, but they're using some other kind of screening technology to go out and look at your social media and decipher your personality. It's kind of scary. So five personality traits, the big five personality traits, there are some systems that will score you based on your social media interactions. There are also um, systems that will look for red flags. So do you exhibit aggressive behaviors? Do you exhibit behaviors of um, someone who is racist, ageist, whatever it might be, Uh, something that's going to cause an issue when I hire you, they're working on technologies that can screen for that while still avoiding the the red flags. It's maybe our first knee-jerk reaction to run from this, to hide everything, to lock everything down, make make sure everything is private. Well, that may not be the way that we want to go here because remember, it's really all about deciding what we want to be. It's going to be authentic or it doesn't work, but it also can be thoughtful of what we want to be, what we want to share, how we want to interact, and maybe just realizing that how we interact online matters for lots of reasons, not just because people are going to be perhaps scoring it as we apply to jobs, but for lots of reasons, how we interact on on social media is important and will continue to be important and more important in our careers. You read articles, especially when it's the university recruiting time about so-and-so who got dismissed from university, Yale, Harvard, whatever, uh, because they had this on their social media People get dismissed from jobs for those things all the time. They probably just don't know that that's why they're getting dismissed. It's impacting us negatively, but if we think about it, it could impact us positively because we have an opportunity to control what is seen there. And that doesn't mean we need to be robots and not have any personality. In fact, quite the opposite it means that it's okay to show our personality. We just need to be thoughtful about how we do that. And that if we don't have an online presence, that actually hurts us perhaps just as much. 
where you have 57% of employers are less likely to interview a candidate if they have no online presence. So running for it from it, sticking our hand in the sand is not going to help us at all. So 77% of recruiters use LinkedIn. It's actually down a little bit in 2018 from 2017. And 63% use Facebook to screen. So they are going on to Facebook. They're looking and they want to see your personality. You know, they want to be able to interact with you. It's not just about the negative. It's about wanting to have that relationship, wanting to see if you fit in their culture um, and offer the opportunity for you to connect through that medium. 25% are using Instagram. So 25% of employers are using Instagram to screen and or recruit their next hire. That's where the next generation is, your young millennials and your Gen Z and recruiters are trying to figure out how to capitalize on that. How do they reach that audience? How do they connect with that audience who is there on Instagram? Now, what that means for you as an individual is really that there's an opportunity to use social media to connect. There's an opportunity to use social media to connect with your current employer, your current employees, to grow your brand, if you will, your visibility, your influence. I don't think a day goes by that I don't see someone new has rolled out a class on how to build your influence online. It's an opportunity that we've never had before. However, don't forget that influence and relationships still, for the most part, happen in person and or with continued connection to people. So you've got to build relationships. When you see or hear or read about engagement and people are talking about how to build influence online, a lot of it's through engagement. How do you engage with people online? How do you connect with people online? Not just pushing things out um, or being a voyeur. You have to engage. You have to interact for it to work in your favor and for you to really build the influence that you want to build. And when we think about that and we think about how we want to interact with people, how we want to build relationships, it really isn't that different than what we've always done or what we've always known in terms of building relationships. How can you use your knowledge, use your previous knowledge about how relationships are built to achieve the same goals using social media as a tool? Because it's really just a tool to achieve those same goals. And that flows into our next topic in trends, which is storytelling, and how is storytelling making an impact in careers, making an impact in how we move and and navigate our careers. We'll explore that in just a few minutes when we come back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about trends. And our last one for the day is storytelling. Storytelling has been buzzword for a while, especially in the marketing space, but it's really moved into the career space. And where we started to see this kind of come in is with LinkedIn profiles and people talking about how LinkedIn profiles needed to be different than profiles or than resumes, right? Your resume is one thing, your LinkedIn profile needed to tell a story needed to engage people in a different way. I've seen some people talk about how your resume needs a story and your resume does need a story because they're all communications that people read or engage with, consume, if you will, in some way. And lots of research has shown that we consume stories and remember them much more than facts alone. So, If we're thinking about how we want to be remembered, it's all about story. Now, in the career space, this really has been around a long time in interviewing. When we talk about telling a challenge action result story or a smart story or STAR, whatever acronym you might be using or your career coach might be using, it's about telling that story, right? What was going on? What action did you take? What result did you? you produce or what did you learn and those 
that's been a, a mainstay in interview coaching for years. Then we moved it into resumes somewhat with bulleted accomplishments and getting away from talking about duties, but really telling about what you've done. And then we took it to the next level in profiles where it really was a story that it could engage people written in first person. You know, how are you going to market yourself? How are you going to connect to your audience? And then stories started to infiltrate career in a lot of different ways. People were talking with leaders about having an origin story to connect to their employees, to connect to their team, to build their visibility in their company or, or in their industry, to really have an origin story that made them accessible and interesting and memorable in the, the minds of, of their audience. And storytelling is interesting because when we think about a story, oftentimes we can get overly focused on ourselves. Yes, it is your story, but if we tell it in a vacuum, it doesn't do what it's intended to do, which is connect with an audience. So if we tell that story just because it's something that we think is neat or cool about ourselves and we don't connect it to the audience, it might not have any impact. It's not going to not going to advocate for us. It's not going to grow those followers. It's not going to get people interested in listening uh, listening to us. When we have a story that is intriguing and interesting, it's usually because this the person telling the story has taken the time to really connect the dots between what their experience is and how it relates to you. So I remember sitting in a presentation for a, it was a banquet event, and the presenter was someone that had been brought in, and people were all excited about the presenter. Oh, you know, it's great, great presenter. And they started telling stories and talking about their stories, and really didn't take me too long to tune out to kind of go, Ugh, why doesn't this feel good? Why do, Why am not I, I'm not inspired, right? I'm not inspired by this person's stories. And why is that? And what happened is that although this per- person was very entertaining and their stories were very heart-wrenching and, and maybe motivational in terms of what they'd overcome, they didn't take the time to connect the dots between them and the, the listener, the person in the audience. And when you think about a good story, especially in today's world, it's a story that, yes, has some kind of intrigue and suspense or humor, but it's also a story that you can relate to. If you're reading something or maybe you're watching a a television show, which are also all stories, and you think, well, you know, I'm not really getting into this. I can't get into this. It's most likely because it doesn't resonate with you. You aren't their target market, right? When you're thinking about your story, you want to think about your audience and what will resonate with them. Have they faced similar issues 
if not, how can you com- how can you connect your issue with something that they will have faced? When you don't make that connection, when you don't take the time, it doesn't matter how interesting your story might be or how crazy the things you've overcome might be. If it doesn't connect to the audience, they're going to tune you out. They're going to say, oh, great for you, but that doesn't match for me. I was just reading the comments on a Facebook post, which is always a dangerous thing to do today, right? I was reading the comments on a Facebook post for another very inspirational um, female writer. And her post was all about weight loss. Someone on the comments on Facebook went off on her about how kind of shallow that is, that that is her main issue in life is staying a particular size and a particular weight. And I thought, well, if you're coming at this conversation from a different place, yes, that story is not going to resonate with you. But this person knows her audience, right? Her audience is middle income, mostly white people who are worried about their weight. And that's fine. That's She's motivating them. She's helping them get healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. She didn't resonate with this person who is much more involved with cause-based brands who are focused on, to her, what are more deep causes, racial issues, poverty, etc. Doesn't mean that one person's work is good and one is bad. It just means that that person is not the correct audience for this writer. That can be our challenge, is that when we're thinking about our audience and we're trying to tell our story in a way that connects with them, it means we're going to leave some people out. It means some people won't connect with our story. But if we tell a story that doesn't connect with anyone, that's safe, it means we're not going to have any followers, no advocates, no people interested in reading our story. So it's about some courage in claiming your audience, figuring out who they are, and then telling your story to really connect with them. Use words and examples and get into their brains, connect with their emotions so that they remember your story, they identify with you, and they stay listening to what it is that you're saying. We'll be right back again here next week on The Career Confidant with other tips and tools and and resources that you can use to improve your career. If you ever have topics that you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We're always interested in the topics that are interesting to you and in speakers that you might want to recommend. So again, feel free to reach out with to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant, 
Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. Thank you.